This episode is brought to you by Trunkline. Trunkline is the Angie's List with an oil-filled twist. Join Trunkline today. Impact Exploration Services made this possible for PBE Podcast. Get your mud logging, geo-steering, and lab results that will make a positive impact on your bottom line. Bell Geospace supported PBE, made it possible to do our first show from Wichita Falls. And if you need gravity data that can see the deep-seated faults around your AOI, you need to call Bell Geospace today. Icon Science, the subsurface geoscience software that needs no introduction. Petrophysics Geophysics, tied to the rock data for you to visualize the best parts of your reservoir. And last but certainly not least, TGS. TGS is one of the largest data providing companies in the world, especially in the oil and gas world. Stay tuned with the development of their Well Data Analytics web-based platform. I personally use this platform to help me find projects and talk with investors about what we are looking at. Listen out for those shows with Asal and Andrew Stearns. Andrew Stearns talks about the DST database they have. Absolutely lights out. So check out this show we did at the Southwest Section AAPG in Wichita Falls with Mike Hannon, a graduate student looking for an opportunity to be your next geotech. Three. Two, one, let's, let's go. go. I'm the host of the PBE podcast, Troy Tittlemeyer, sitting here at the North Texas Geologic Society's 100th anniversary. A hundred years ago, man, there were geologists, engineers, and these people that were using Clydesdales to pull up their drill bits at the rig and then dropping it and digging holes and finding oil out here, man. It's amazing. A hundred years ago, we've been at this trying to get efficient energy, reliable energy out of the ground for us to use to kind of modernize civilization, right? Propel us into this, uh, you know, amazing thing that we are here in America and in other countries for sure. And now one of the big subjects is kind of like, okay, if we have it, well, everyone should have it. We're going to electrify the planet. We're going to do it cleanly. Everyone's going to have abundant energy. This will take people out of energy poverty, right? Like that's that's one of the main concepts of what's moving ahead. Please introduce yourself. Give us a, a quick elevator pitch of who you are. My name is Michael Hannon. I am a graduate student at Missouri S&T. I studied geology and geophysics. I did my undergrad there as well. I studied geology and geophysics and a little bit of Russian on the side. And a little bit of Russian. Yeah. You can speak Russian. A little bit, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I went over to the former Soviet Union two times, once in St. Petersburg, and then a second time uh, I went to Batumi, Georgia, right on the Black Sea. Whoa, what were you doing over there? What were you looking at? I was studying Russian in both places. So I spent a semester in fall 2021 in St. Petersburg, went all around Russia, went to Petrozavodsk, went to Moscow two times, no and saw kidding. all the sites in St. Petersburg. Wow. And, uh, What's your take on the on Russian right now? Uh, as far as the language itself or just the current geopolitical situation? Geopolitical, language, the community, the, pe the people that you met. Tell me, tell me, tell me what they're like. That's a lot to unpack. I was mainly around the younger people. So my generation, awesome people, very hospitable. You know, they took me under their wing. I had dinner at my tutor's place with her and her boyfriend a couple times. She cooked authentic Russian cuisine for us wow. and just sat back. I mean, they're pretty laid back people. I got, you know, several friends over there who I keep in touch with and uh, very cool they always took me around town and uh we went to just various restaurants I love borscht now so what's borscht uh basically that's their uh national soup 
per se. Okay. And uh, it's it's superb. On a cold winter day, I'd go down Nevsky Prospect, find a restaurant, and go have some borscht. Nice. So you were learning Russian. I was. Were you were you teaching them about the rocks while you were learning Russian? Uh, not so much, but I did go to a really cool geology museum in St. Petersburg. Nice. So they had a lot there. They had everything from like $10,000, $20,000 geodes standing around to gigantic pieces of pyrite. It was a really cool experience. Man. Yeah, the Russians, dude, they've been paying attention to the rocks. For oh, yeah. Sure. One of the things that's uh, come out of history with the Russians was the abiotic oil theory. Are you familiar with this? Not too much, um, actually. So there's the biotic theory, right? That oil and gas on this planet, most of the oil and gas on this planet is because of the biosphere. And it's specifically when the biosphere dies, like biology, right? Bugs and critters and weeds and plants, like, right? It dies. And then over millions and millions of years, that turns to oil turns into carrageen carrageen turns into oil when it's under pressure and heat well the russians were like mm, there might be a lot more oil and gas coming from non-biotic sources so they called it the abiotic theory and said planet just must make this you know it just must be a planetary thing and neither are right is the reality that we're in today we're still un unpacking this but they're not thinking big enough, maybe, that it's not biology, it's not abiotic. There's a bigger geologic process going on here. And it's it's starting to unpack as the process of serpentinization. Have you heard that at school? Actually, no. We never really talked about Russian oil in our classes, surprisingly. The Russians didn't come up with serpentinization. Americans did. But the idea is that the planet is a hydrothermal planet. It's a water planet, right? And that kerogen is primitive. Kerogen is part of the universe. It's a primary thing, part of the universe. It's not a derivative of life. And that actually it might be what is the spark to life is hydrogenating the kerogen and that process makes oil and then, and then it splits off and it can start making RNA, DNA, life, you know, proteins and all that stuff. We did cover that uh, in my petroleum geology class nice. um, a little bit. Yeah. Nice. All right. Good. Good. Now, remind me where you're going to school again. Uh, Missouri S&T. Missouri S&T. Where is that? That's in Rolla, Missouri. Huh. Yeah, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, it's yeah. a small little town there. The running joke is the only thing to do there is drink. But <laughs> <laughs> So you can hold your own at the uh, beer pong tournament, huh? Uh, I don't know. I'm a little bit of a lightweight, but uh, <laughs> drinking with the Russians definitely helped me out. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. How old are you? 26. 26 years old. You've been to Russia several times. You know the language. How do you say uh, I'm a geologist in Russian? Yeah, You just said everything that I asked you to say just right then? Yeah, it's a very condensed language. Wow. <laughs> right on. That is condensed. I like that. Simple, huh? Yes, that's what I like about it, too. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. How many letters in the alphabet in Russian? Oh, man. There's... Uh, I can't remember the exact number. I think it's over 30. Over but, uh, 30, though? Yeah. I ah. mean, th there's little things like hard signs and soft signs that... Or more of how to pronounce the word, not so much, you know, like a conventional letter. Yeah. That you have to understand. Yeah. Right on. Now, when you go to school and undergrad, now you're in your master's degree. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you gravitating towards? What do you really like about geology or being a geologist? What do you What do you think you want to do for the rest of your life? I really like how geology wraps all my interests in the one math, history, and the world around us. And that that's when I gravitate towards petroleum geology. I knew. One of my friends is from Gambia. He was studying it. He did his master's on it, graduated last year. 
Uh, shout out to Omar. <laughs> And nice. he was telling me about it. He did the IBA at my school. Nice. And that's really what got me interested in going forward with this. And when after you... traveling around with SPE, meeting folks in the industry, understanding, you know, what petroleum geologists do, that's what got me kind of bit the bug. Right on, man. And you competed in the IBA? I did, yes. How'd you guys do? Uh, we got beat out by um, Lafayette, unfortunately. Ooh, that's a tough school. They are a tough school. Did they, they end up going on and winning it? I think the uh, international finals are pretty soon. They haven't done the entire oh, thing yet. So, so right yeah. on. So you just got through with the IBA. Well, like we got we finished in March. They just haven't had the uh, final competition. Yet. Right, right. So yeah. it was this year. This year yeah. IBA. Man, that's cool. Yeah, we. I was involved in uh, kind of mentoring an IBA program at UTPB in in Midland, Odessa. Oh wow. So I was very familiar with you know getting all that data getting students to sit on that stuff, compartmentalizing the students, but not in a way that you're all specialists and you're not communicating. You need to communicate. You know, you focus on what you focus on, but how do how was what you're learning, you know, how does it reference and relate to what you're learning? You know, so we constantly talked about just being those team, you know, creating that team, creating that story for uh, for telling the judges, you know, where everything's at. And that we won Southwest section the year we did it. Went to the 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 finals and uh, and got beat out, man. It was just uh, it was tough competition, you know, and and things happen. But really thought we were gonna win that year. We had a chance. It's a heck of a story. What did you do in that in, in your team? What was your role? I was mainly the geochemist, so I had nice. to I had to dig out old information from you know a couple of years ago when I took geochemistry. Nice. So did a lot of that. Made several phone calls to my mentors and <laughs> told them what I was thinking, and I'd get their feedback and I'd right relay on. that to the team. Where 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 was the data set from? Just off the coast of Norway. Yeah. Oh, cool. The yeah. Barents Sea. Yeah. So we got old really? Statoil data from there. Really. Yeah. It was cool. Man. So what was the reservoir? Was it a sand or a dolomite? Uh, no, a lot of limestone, actually. Limestone. Yeah. Clean lime, huh? Yeah. There's it was Full a lot. of oil. Uh, some of it. We had two dry wells, and then two where oil was showing. Okay. So, so what is an oil play, though? So yeah. when you got all your geochemistry data, did you have elemental data? XRF, XRD, rocky valparalysis? Yeah, we had a little bit of that, and it was a little hard to. I couldn't control F through the documents because it's all from the '90s, so I had to sift through a lot to get it. But it was a good experience. What geochemistry data were you compiling and trying to? How were you putting that together to try to tell the petroleum system story? Uh, a lot of TOC. I remember doing okay. that. That was that was a good handful of that, and I having to relay that, and then I'd go back to lithology, and I'd we'd pinpoint the areas on the map. We'd put it, you know, a diagram on the wall, and then we'd start labeling. And uh, we'd call in uh, my mentor is actually here. He's right over there. Mike Kasuki. We would call him in and uh, he would tell us what he thinks. Our other mentor, Brian Tepper, would do the same. Nice. Nice. Cool. So the high TOC was associating itself with the shales. Yeah, we had a little bit of shale, but our main source rock was coal. Yeah. So was coal. Yeah. So that's type three carrageen. Yeah. And uh, we had some type two as well. We had a lot of type two. We uh, wish I had the graph here to show you. It was mainly type two of some type three. Wow. What did you learn from the whole IBA experience? What was your main takeaway? Well, I worked with uh, international students, and that was a, lot, a big thing that I took away from was learning how to deal with people from different cultures. It was a great experience, uh, learning their backgrounds of petroleum geology, and everyone brought something to the table. You did, know. did you guys have an engineer on the team? We did not. It was only geologists. Only geos. Nice. 
Cool, man. That is a good experience. How much school do you have left? A week. I graduate in a week. You graduate in a week. Yeah. So what are you doing here? I just wanted to come meet more people and network. So yeah. I got to go to Stavanger earlier uh, this year in March huh. for the SPE conference and uh, over in Norway. It was a great experience. I met a lot of good people there. And my mentor told me, hey, there's an APG thing this weekend and you should register. So I went ahead and did it. And here I am. Nice, man. So why haven't you gone and have you knocked on the doors of uh, Stat Oil or are now called, uh, what's the name of the company? They switched the name. They changed their name. Um, um, I have not knocked on their door. I forgot what they switched their name to. Um, uh, Equinor. Yeah, Equinor. Yeah, I haven't had the chance to do that. I've Gotta knocked on it, several operators. Uh, they really want people with uh, field experience. I need to go get that field experience first. So I've talked to a lot of service companies and uh, actually have an interview coming up with one in a couple of days. Nice. So, so you want to get your boots on the ground out in a drilling uh, drilling rig? Is that what, you're, what you want to do? I think that's the best way to start. Yeah. And a lot of operators seem to want that, guys who have field experience. Yeah, you certainly need a feel for where all this data actually comes from and mm -hmm. how challenging it really is of a industry and of a job to go pick a location, but then actually have successful operations of drilling that hole and you're getting good gas chromatography, you're getting reliable cuttings data. You know, you got to watch all that stuff. Um, so being a part of it is obviously a great way to, to really learn that. I would also say, uh, you know, really brush your all your experience in academia, all the different softwares you use and all those like, shorthand keystrokes that you learned along the way. That's huge for geotech, geological technician and why geotech, I think, is such a good route to really try to get into and just talk to every operator you can that's what i did in 2014 when i was coming out of school i went and knocked on every building and every room that had oil and gas resources exploration operation i went to every one of those doors and i said i want to be a geotech i was just looking for an opportunity and they would say you know what we're not hiring but i know a guy go check him out go and then you just follow those leads and you just stay as sharp as you can Get your field experience, get cash in, right? If you stack up money, allow you to, to have the ability to do that. But it took about two months of me knocking on the doors and following leads and then bang, I, I had my offer uh, to be a geotech. And, and again, I think the geotech, for someone like you that really sees the integration of it all and you really wanna get into this, you the geologic technician is seeing how geology data is being brought in in all the different formats from all the different services. And at the end of the day, being combed through and reorganized in a way where your finance team is understanding it, your landmen are understanding it, the CEO is understanding it. Because in oil and gas, it all revolves around the rocks. Are we in the right rocks? You know what I mean? That's the CEO. He doesn't care if it's a dolomite or a sandstone or whatever. He wants to know, we have the pressures we need. Do we have is, how many barrels is it making? What's the brine cut? You're the you're the gatekeeper of all that data as a geologic technician. You're giving the geophysicist what he needs. You're giving the petrophysicist what he needs. The the petrologist, if you have core and you have a company that really values the rock data, you're giving the the geologist cuttings data and making sure that it's on depth with the the mud logging, right? Like you're the gatekeeper of all this stuff. And then what you'll see in your experience of doing that and supporting these these departments like that, you'll see how the engineers relate to all that data and how they want it. 
and how they relay that to the accounting and, and landmen. You get to see how all this digital data really actually works between departments. And so you put five, 10 years into that tops and you're gonna know exactly what you want to be or where you wanna go next. Cause you're gonna know, you know what the petrophysicist does with the data. You also know how to QC it cause you learned it. So getting field experience, absolutely. That's gonna help. That's gonna get you great experience. It's gonna be a grind. It's not, it's not easy job. It's gonna be tough, but you'll get through it. You'll learn a ton. And then I think always stay sharp and, and arrow straight on. I want to be a geotech. I want to be a geotech. Give me that opportunity. I want to be a geotech. And if someone gives you a geology role, great. You can take a geology role right away. But a geotech role is actually a great way to really understand how the data works in a company from CEO to, to, to the data source. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I've talked to several guys who started there. It seems like a lot of geologists start there. And uh, I had a three hour phone conversation with one guy about it. And he was telling me how important of a job it is, what he did. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just sat back and uh, just kind of talked about it and uh, talked about other things too. Really easy guy to talk to. That's awesome, man. Really cool. Really cool. Right on. So you're ready to go. You're ready to yeah. start your job. You got a week left of school. You're graduating with a master's. Yep. Got a thesis? No, I did non-thesis. Non-thesis route master's. You're ready to go to work. You're ready to start applying all this information and, and uh, you know, your skill sets. What kind of software did you get to use in school? We use a lot of Petrel. I also have a background of ArcGIS. Nice. So I took an entire GIS course, took remote sensing as well. I did MATLAB uh, way back when I was in community college. Okay. So Any experience with geographics or Petra, Kingdom? Not Petra and not Kingdom, unfortunately. One of the guys on my IBA team was a wizard with Kingdom. Really? And uh, he showed me a little bit about it, but I didn't really work with it. Okay. Yeah. No, that's good, man. Keep your eye on that stuff. Try to get uh, as much software as you can. Even like Adobe Illustrator, right? PowerPoint, Excel, oh, yeah. right? You can put that stuff on your, your resume in a way that they go, okay, he gets it. He can write basic code in Excel, because that's really what you're doing, right? You're doing the sum of this divided by that, mm -hmm. and you're multiplying this and find and replace, you know, geotechs, a lot of that stuff, a lot of that information is we need to clean it up, right? It's the publicly available, publicly reported stuff. And you know, there's errors in that. And so you start finding these and then bang, you start building these little scripts in Excel or, you know, and, and then presenting is always a big deal, right? Being able to present. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I have a background with C++ and Python as well. Right on. And uh, we had to, you know, background presenting as well. I had to present several things in Russia, too, in another language. So I got to do that several Man, times. That must have been nerve wracking. Uh, it is. I mean, I'm, you know, I, my speaking skills, I drove my teacher nuts because I'd work on speaking more than anything. So <laughs> I, my grammar wasn't, you know, up to par with my speaking by the end of the trip. But I would have to read everything in Cyrillic, repeat it to the class. And then other kids would be saying their part in Russian too. And uh, everyone spoke English too, because it was a you know class full of foreigners from Western Europe. And then the teacher Sheesh. was also Russian, uh, but she spoke English. And uh, it, was, it was a good experience. It definitely, I would say, uh, helped me with my presentation skills and uh, definitely got less nervous after getting used to just speaking in another language, because that was harder than doing any in English. Golly, I bet. Very good experience, man. That's good. I'm excited for you, dude. Um, I think too. you're onto something. Just stay on it as hard as you can. And th that sacrifice is going to come back tenfold. It always does. How do you say three, two, one, let's go in Russian? <laughs> uh, as far as how they'd say let's go, they'd probably say, 
three, two, one, let's Damn, that's it. You just said three, two, one, let's go? Yeah. So tres? Uh, three. Three? Dva. Dva. Uh, I think they'd say raz. They go back and forth with raz or adin, but just say raz. Raz. And then paidion. Paidion. Idiom. Idiom. There you go. <laughs> Golly. All right. We're not, we're not doing that countdown live, <laughs> dude. There's no way I'll get through that. But listen, man, you got a positive energy. You definitely have the right attitude. I can tell. Uh, so I'm going to end it with this, a positive, uh, positive book that I like to carry around. Stay positive through this, all, all these things. You'll, you'll, you'll have negative things to deal with, but just keep it positive. Use, recycle those negative setbacks it might feel like or whatever it is. Turn them into steps, right? And then just keep going towards your what you want to succeed and, and what you think success is. So tell me when to stop. Stop. Okay, here we go. A thought's power only comes from the power you give it. You don't have to give your negative thoughts power. You can, you can ignore them. You can see them for what they truly are. Lies, lies, lies. Just because you have a negative thought doesn't mean you have to believe it. That's a good quote. Nice. Well, good, man. It was nice meeting you. It's nice meeting you. I appreciate good luck. It. Yeah, let's stay in touch, sir. Absolutely. Thank you. Right on.